Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Brother, tonight in my meditations about some things in Romans, and I have reason for doing this, a discourse or two that I want to preach is further over in the book of Romans. But I believe if you will listen and pray for me, it will be more meaningful to you when I reach that point. And I trust it will be more meaningful to me having studied to try to reach that point to preach these discourses. Now I know there is something lost in preaching from subject matter altogether. There is great things lost in the scriptures. Without any subject preaching, there is also loss. So, bear with me as I read to you and try to instruct you, maybe as we look at some of the scriptures in Romans, maybe verse after verse some of the time. I want to read first to you tonight in First and Second Peter, chapter 3, and I'll begin reading with verse 15, and I'm going back to Romans chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 3, and verse 15, <clears throat> Peter is fixing to make some remarks about his brother Paul. I want you to listen to him now. And brother Tate talked about the simplicity of the sayings of Jesus Christ, some of them, and certainly it's true indeed. But Peter is fixing to say about his brother Paul that all things he said, you got to pay pretty close attention to it sometimes. And those that are unwilling to do that just rest those things to their own destruction bring them down to nothing, and they don't understand it. Let's hear what he has to say about that. Verse 15. An account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which things, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, and they do also the uh, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Now, Peter's not saying, I don't think, that you can't understand what Paul said, but he also says that this man has something rich and vital gloriously for you to hear. But you can't think about the songbird and the hoot owl and the killdee and never learn what he said. You've got to listen to him. Now, tonight, let's just keep that in mind now. Let me read you the verse that, that we're reaching back to, going back to chapter 1. I read that now this morning. Romans 3 and 9. I hear what Paul said. Now, I don't see any reason why we cannot understand it. Then we can believe it or not believe it. But the fact that you can't understand it is out of the picture the way I see it. Paul said, what then? Are we better than the Jews? Are they? No, in no wise. 
For we have before proved both Jew and Gentile that they are A-double-L, all under sin. Now, I don't think, I don't believe it takes some kind of a shrewd theologian, a thinker, a wizard to, to understand what that's saying. But a man that don't want to know it, living under sin anyway, he'd just rest after his own destruction. Why he couldn't have meant what he said? Let's, let's see now. We got to find out. I know there's some other interpretation of that. But I'm telling you, there is no other one. Paul emphatically said that the whole world is under sin. Now, I don't believe that or not. But, it, but, I, but I understand what he said. Now then, I want you to also believe, if you believe that, if you don't believe, don't try to get someone to interpret it and explain it away because you know what it says. But if you don't accept that to be the truth, I want you to also accept the fact that in Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 18 and ending up with the last verse in that chapter, verse 32, that Paul diligently shows you the picture why that he ever said that the Gentiles is under sin. Under sin. I want to impress this upon your mind. I have preached discourses to you and use Romans chapter 1 beginning with verse 18 and on into those verses and I have said boldly that those verses as far as I'm concerned was not dealing with a child born again person. I mean I don't, I don't accept the fact that these, the scripture of these people are born again. But if you just in case you forgot already I'm going to tell you what I said this morning. That discourse is secondary. It's not foremost in Paul's mind for me to know whether these are born again or not born again. That's secondary. I'll reach that conclusion just for what he says about them. But that's secondary. The Holy Spirit's main purpose in guiding Paul in what he says here is to show in whoever day reads it why Paul could say later on, Brethren, I just got through proving to you that you and Gentile are both under sin. Paul's primary mission in verse 18 through 32 is to show you not only that they're under sin, but by their actions proves it a million times over. That's the primary import of those verses. Now then, to everyone that is going to learn, want to learn and remember next week, if you had a pencil now or your Bible with you, you ought to write right over verse 18 if there's room in your Bible. Make some kind of notation to where that you'll know but this is where that Paul's discussion sets in, unwavering to the fact of the statement in 3 and 9. Dear yeah, brethren, here's the picture of the Gentile world beginning in the Garden of Eden when Adam sinned. Beloved, listen, Paul's not talking about Gentiles in 1971. We're just like they was in the Garden of Eden after sin. But Paul is starting with a man that in with God. God literally talked to Adam. Adam, Adam, it'd be better if you don't sin. In the day that thou eatest thou off, thou shalt surely die. We can rest these things, our destruction, if we want to, but I'm going to tell you whether we do or not. God's not going to excuse our ignorance. Oh, I want to press that again tonight. God's not going to excuse anyone's ignorance that has sound mind. 
That means the elect and the non-elect. Mind, I don't strike that out. It's dangerous to say non-elect. That's not in the Bible. But God is not going to excuse his chosen people and all the rest of the world combined. They are without an excuse for not recognizing a higher power. Now, I haven't always heard preaching like that. I've heard preaching that indicated to me that God just said everybody else except the elect just go have a big time. He never said no such thing. We're held guilty, responsible human beings to God. Now Paul, in, in, in point of this picture, he said all, when he, and he said now, the Jews are not a bit better off than Gentiles. But Paul is just not starting in his day with the Gentiles either, or the Jews either. But he's beginning in the Garden of Eden and painting a picture. And you can just trace it along the descendants of Abel and Cain and go on down the line. And you'll find by the time that you've reached Genesis 6 that God looked down from heaven and seen that man's heart was upon evil continually. Paul got that in mind. Brother, he's showing you what wretched sinners we are. And he's also showing us tonight that there hadn't been anyone from Adam on that's ever, uh, has ever understood just all the magnitude that of sin that, that happened and how God, when, when he cursed it, what a terrible thing it was. But if you don't see that, we'll look there and we'll say, well, he's talking about, and I don't know when he started. I'm telling you when he started. His representation to prove to you that all the world under sin, he began with, with Adam, and he said, paint him, painting the picture. If you just look at it here, it just goes down and down and down and down. Now then, if you'll see that, then when Jesus said this, without me, ye can do nothing, it'll have meaning. But until you see this, it just has about half the magnitude that it should. Jesus said when Adam sinned, everyone that has come into this world since then, both Jew and Gentile, been born under sin, come here with a sinful nature, proved it by their cruel acts one way or another, and then he says you absolutely, unconditionally, impossibly cannot do anything spiritually good that will be accepted with God spiritually without Jesus Christ. And then Paul is going to prove the value of Jesus Christ in these epistles. All right. And I believe when we try hard enough, we won't try to rest those scriptures to our destruction. If we'll just let them say what they say, the best we know how, we'll reach a pretty good conclusion of what Paul is telling. Verse 18, I'm just going to read that and pass on because we talked about that this morning. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. Now what this is, is in them. God has imprinted something in them. That's why you're held accountable. That's why every person that's been born from Adam on has been held accountable because God manifested something in him. In him. Listen, beloved. The heathen in the darkest jungle and the most ignorant tribe on the face of the earth tonight has no right to look up and, and, and make an idol out of the sun and be a sun worshiper. That's a sin. 
And the reason that God holds him accountable to that is because God has manifested something in him. You say it's not so. I say you're going to make Paul out a liar not to accept that. There's something that God puts in a man whereby that he is to recognize a high power which made the son, whether he knows to say God or not. He's not to take the son and make an idol. He's supposed to make the idol whoever made the son. And brother, when we stoop to idolatry, the most cruel and unlearned part of that, if they have any idol except the God that they look at and see, somewhere behind that there's a God. I'm worshiping him. God will accept that. But anything else than that, that tribe will give an account to God. Because God manifested something in him. In him. Now this idea of just fiddle-fiddling around and dying and all you people listen to me tonight. Some of y'all don't believe my message because you don't listen. You make up your own mind. You just listen. As I read Paul. He said there's something in a person whereby that they can recognize some divineness in someone back of all of this. God is just as displeased with anyone that won't come to the logical conclusion. Oh, what a wonderful effect this is. Look here what we see in Walk, look up at that sun. The stars. Look at all of that. They may not know to call them stars. Look up there. You see that effect? God expects every individual with sound mind to come to the conclusion. Behind that, there's a great cause. And he's our eye. Anything less than that is an accountable to God and they will answer for it. Now, they haven't done it. They didn't want to retain God in their mind. They cast him out. But God said it without an excuse. And if a heathen in a dark jungle is without an excuse, why not recognize some kind of a higher power? Why much more accountable am I that lives in the day of enlightenment and Jesus Christ lives in my soul? How much more accountable am I to that God? But yet America in 1971, they rest that to their own destruction. You hear me tonight? They said, Brother Paul, sure is hard to understand. Peter said he was. Peter didn't say that you couldn't understand him, but you got to dig a little. God didn't inspire all this Bible, sat in an easy rocking chair and be halfway asleep and understand it anyway. Manifested something in him. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. Now listen, beloved, ever what this is talking about? It's talking about something except this revelation revealed from heaven. This is something beside that. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven through the word, through the gospel. I said that this morning. But here is something that's instilled into, into a person that better know something without any further revelation whether they ever hear the gospel or not. You say, I wonder what Brother Walter is trying to tell me. Is he trying to get the people to hell or hell? I'm not trying to do neither one. I'm trying to read this word and let it say what it will. If it slays me, just let it slay but God's not going to conform to my way. I've got to conform to his word and say, that's it, Lord, if it slays me to there. That's like some rotten sinner thinking one day God's going to wake up and say, well, I understood. Just go ahead. Oh, what a deplorable end that person had before him or she. For God has showed it unto them. All right. I want to talk about that a little bit. Now, from verses 18 through 23, Paul had just showed the progressive 
degeneracy of the Gentile. They just, they just go down, down, and down until they just reach the place that they've got so low they just don't retain God in their minds and they just cast him out. If my congregation could just learn this, that when you're sitting around in your home on some rainy day and you say, well, I've done everything else. I'll look at TV and read the paper. I believe I'll read the Word a little while. And you open it up to Romans 3. And you get down to verse 9. And oh, Paul is saying again what I'm trying to talk about, you know. Just trying to drill that over and over again. That's all I have proved. I've proved. I've proved. If I can, if I can learn you enough that the first scripture will run through your mind. Oh, I know where to see where he started at. Romans 1 and 18. Then I've done something for you that's worthwhile. I'm going to tell you something else. I used to think that God would excuse my ignorance about his word, but I'm sure wrong about that. Every judgment in here is going to judge me whether I ever read it or learn it or not. It's available and it'll come upon me and I need to think ignorance will excuse because there is none, because there's something in me that tells me that whether I know much or not, that something behind this effect must be my eye. Now, we've been preaching, you know, all, preaching all along that the heathen can go to heaven without hearing the gospel. I'm still preaching that. But that heathen is going to be judged whether ever any evangelist gets there or not. And that heathen is going to be judged upon his own works. And everyone is going to be sent to hell, not because God didn't choose, but upon his own merits. And the truth of Paul's teaching is we'd have all went there if God had to chose someone out of that cruel mess of degenerate people. But after God chose, he didn't send the rest to hell. They went down their own merit. And that heathen's going to learn one day that deity, that God, as you worship that son up there, you've done wrong. Because God put something in you that lets you really know behind that. Behind that, there's a higher power. Oh, I don't believe the prayer that said God sent anyone to hell. Tonight, I don't believe in that great white throne judgment when, when all, when all uh, uh, the ones that God does not love appears there. Now, I don't believe they'll have a word to say back. God said, I put in everyone something to recognize. That's why I believe there'll be degrees of and punishment. Most people know, but I do. That old heathen beloved that said behind that sun power yonder somewhere, that's my idol. I don't know. I've never seen him. I just know he's got to be back there. I accept him as that. He's going to be a million times better off at that great white throne judgment. And that when it picked up a piece of wood and made an idol out of it and bowed down to it, he's going to be better off in my opinion. You just take that or not. But I know one thing. The Gentile world is without excuse. I'm not going to rest after my destruction and, and tumble it around and say Paul didn't mean what he said. And then get to Romans 8, I hope, in a few weeks and preach my lungs out of him in every word he said. I, I refuse to carry on in such folly as that. Progressive degeneracy of the Gentile or heathen world beginning in the Garden of Eden after sin up to this present moment of time. I, I say I don't believe there's one ounce of difference in my day and there was after sin come into the world. Not one ounce of difference. And the only reason that you ever find anybody serving God is through the grace and mercies of Israel. God has put his love and power in his heart. And we're sorry enough after that with that old evil nature still hanging on. That includes preachers too. 
We just as far as hard as you are, anybody else that's ever lived, as far as that old carnal age is concerned. And it'll drag us down and, and cause everyone else to die in utter chaos and shame if we don't listen to God. But I'm going to tell you one thing, there's a reckoning day. And that's what Prince the Baptist want to believe. No reckoning day. But I'm going to preach that again. I've done quit it now. I don't preach it again when I find scripture. I've preached before making it on my own interpretation. Because that which may be known of God, this says emphatically, that there are some things can be known of God without a revelation. If you follow me in that, if you don't, you're lost. You'll never pick me up no more down the line. And you'll go home tonight saying, Brother Wallace, wasting my time. Let me read verse 18 to you just a portion of it again. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Reveal means a revelation and uncovering. But the next verse says, I'm saying that it says, it says emphatically that there are some things that can be known of God without that revelation. Some things can be known of the higher power without any gospel discourse. And that's what brings every man, woman, boy, and girl with sound mind accountable to God. It's not a case of getting you up to heaven or down to hell. It's a case when the time comes for every knee to bow and every tongue to confess, no one's going to have any comeback, brother. That's what it means. And I'm going to tell you tonight, if anything I've said so far sounds scary, you must have been leaving me. Another thing I've said that sounds scary to me is just a stated, simple fact of God Almighty. And God tells me now, I put something, I, I, I put something in you from the very beginning, and then I, then I put my spirit in you. Then I blessed you to sit on the, sit on the sound of the gospel. Then he had said, now if you turn your air on that, he said, then he'd say, I wonder what you're going to say when, when the time comes for every need to bow and every time to confess. Well, a lot of people think that so we grow up and say, and say, God, you understand, don't you? Now, I know what his answer is going to be. You do too. All right, there's some things that can, can be known of God without, without the revelation. Because it is manifest in them. Now, you listen to me as I read this. It's manifest in them. In them. In their minds and conscience. Now, I'm going to say that's where God manifested that knowledge at. But I wouldn't want you to, I wouldn't want you to accept that if I didn't produce two or three verses of Scripture. Then I'll leave that up with you and God. It's manifest in them, in their minds, and in their conscience. Job 32 and 8. Job 32 and 8 says this. But there is a spirit in man. But there is a spirit in man. And, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. It is spirit in man. God put it in there. And through that very operation, he instamped something in there, whereby that the heathen, the whole Gentile world, is compelled to say that there was a mighty force that brought all of this effect into existence. I do not say it's a case of saying he's G-O-D. But I think they could say that because whatever they set up, they recognize that as their deity, their God. 
You know what God has said? Thou shalt have no other God before thee. Before me. Let's say that again. God said that over and over again. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Over and over again he said it. Why? Why would you hold why are you going to hold us accountable if we do? Because I put something in you whereby I can hold you. I'm going to demand something. I recognize my honor. And what am I saying all of these things for? It's to show you that Paul was under inspiration and he wasn't still fat and round. When he said, I've, I've just got through proving to you, the church in Rome, that all, all, both Jew and Gentile, is under sin. Under it. Paul is not just, just telling you just all of it is reading. Brother, he's giving you some examples to go along with. There is a spirit in, he, in man, and, and then inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Job 38 and 36. Who hath put wisdom in the inward part? Or who hath given understanding to the heart? St. John chapter 1 verses 9 and 10. Guess what he was saying about Jesus Christ. He was the true light. That was the true light. Which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. Are you hearing that tonight? I wrestled with that scripture. I, I'd wonder what it meant and I'd try to talk about it, talking about the elect of God. And that verse just kept saying, Oh no, it said that he lighteth every man that cometh into the world. You know what that you know what that said to be now? It said that every man that's coming into this world, God put something in him to where that he could recognize Jesus Christ and the Godhead in creation. And he lights every man to that extent and leaves the whole world without excuse. That means every person here tonight with a sound mind and able to understand anything I'm saying. But it's going to say that the Gentiles didn't like that at all and they just catch it out of their mind. That's why he said, I'm just not only telling you in re just in a reasoning way, I'm showing you what they've done. If you doubt it, run back to Genesis 6. Run back to the cave of Lot and his daughters. Run the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Search the world over. And you'll find out for yourself, seven apart from the mercies of God, people that's under sin is a rotten bunch of people, more hatred and vile than the beast of the field. I'd rather, I'd rather have a good pet dog any day. There's a man around me that didn't know God. That sounds bad, don't it? I mean just exactly what I said. I don't believe that dog would ever shoot me. And I doubt seriously if he ever, if he ever bit me. But if that man that don't do, don't know God, if you aggravate him, he's liable to shoot you right through the heart or knock you in the head of the hammer. Now I'm going to tell you, beloved, when, if, 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 if we just won't rest these things to our destruction, we're going to find Paul just glorifying God over and over again for appearing him on, as a madman. Paul is a madman. Just walking in total darkness, going down to Damascus to bind and put in prison. Those that's called upon the name of the Lord considering even to their death. Oh, but he said, but God, by his grace and mercy, rescued me. But I was like all the rest of them. I was under sin, like all the other Jews and like all the other Gentiles. And he said, church at Rome, learn that. Before we travel far in this letter, I want you to learn that. 
And so I'm going to spend two or three or four paragraphs, let you read that first and get well established in your mind. Then we'll go to something else and see how God begins to work and bring somebody out of that horrible pit and do something good and wonderful for him. Even to the extent he that spared not his own son, but delivered us up for his all, for us all. How, why will he not for, how will he not with him also freely give us all things? But that's to be further on. Paul is going to say, brother, if I just start in there, I believe you'll sit there and go to sleep, not seeing the horrible pit of hell that you lived in, and eternal woe and misery your home, without my mercy and grace, and I could never give it to you, only through some of my son, Jesus Christ. That's what Paul wants you to understand in Romans 8. He don't want you to sit up at night and read the commentaries and go to sleep nervous in heart. Paul wants you to see that God Almighty loves you, a sinner stooped in sin. But if he didn't choose everyone, they're still held accountable for not recognizing him as the God of creation. In them. I'm going to read that John again. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He didn't say it saved every man. He didn't say it caused every man to be born again. But it says it give every person some insight into something. Light it. Verse 10 says, talking about Jesus, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Now, and the world knew him not. If you'll find me one verse of scripture, where that Jesus said, well, I just know you can't know me anyway, and I forgive you, I'll preach you next Sunday morning. Jesus Christ held that Jewish nation accountable for not recognizing him as the Son of God. He stood up around Jerusalem and said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stonest the prophets, how would I have gathered thee as a hen would her chicken, but, and gathered thee under my wings as a hen to other chicken, but thou would not. But you think he excused Jerusalem for that hatred and violence towards him? No, sir. I'm going to tell you before you ever left Jerusalem and that nation, he said, Henceforth, Henceforth thou shalt see me no more until thou sayest, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Jesus said, I'm holding you accountable for that. And that death will be upon you until the day that you speak a second tune. And as long as you don't speak the second tune, the wrath of God abides upon you. Because I put lit every man. I've done all things around you. And you said, No, sir, we still don't believe. But I'm going to tell you there's hell's accountable anyway. That's like a fellow coming to church and said, no, I don't believe that preaching, but I believe I can go to heaven anyway, and I know God just will understand and he'll forgive me. I don't believe a word of that. God will hold him accountable not for believing that message. Now then, the next thing in my verse says, for God has showed it unto them. Now I'm going to tell you what I, what I believe, that when it says that God has showed it unto them, God had put something in a man, in his mind and in his conscience, whereby that he can recognize the divineness, the power of an all-wise being in nature. Now God demands every person, for God has showed it unto them. Showed it unto them. Verse 20 says this, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. That's kind of, that's a, Paul has said here, yeah, that is something hard to understand. You'd stop there. 
Paul said something invisible can be seen. That's contradictory, isn't it? That's one thing I'm sure that old Peter had in mind. He said, all oh, them fellows just rest after their destruction. Invisible, Paul said, invisible can be seen. I don't understand that if I didn't read further. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without an excuse. Now, I want to really, I want to buy this myself and beg you to believe that. Whether I understood a word I've read tonight, if every human being in this world tonight rejected that statement, they'd still be just as much accountable to God and be left without an excuse just as much if everyone accepted the truth. You say, I don't believe it. You go down here and try to break some law and then plead ignorant and see how far you get. I never had a highway patrolman yet. I haven't stopped for speeding time or two, not willfully, but I get in a hurry sometime. You think the law sniggered at that and looked over it? You think that fellow said, I just know, I just know you don't know what that speed limit is and I wouldn't, I wouldn't charge you for nothing. No, he always charged me and said, fella, if you do that anymore, so long for you. He didn't, he didn't, no law, no law recognized his ignorance. And neither Jesus Christ. And them heathens, when they appear before the judgment seat of Christ, strike that out. Those heathens, when they, when they appear before the great white throne judgment, and they run up there and with, 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 with some frivolous tale, you know, they, 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 they fell down and they worship idols. God is going to say, no, sir. I put something in your mind and in your conscience whereby that you could do a better job. Everyone that, everyone that's come in the world, I have put a certain light there in that I might have complete honor in the land. You hear that tonight? I'm listening at it real good because I've had a hard time saying it and understanding it. But I knew it so anyway. I'm going to tell you one thing, beloved. In all of my wayward years, I don't believe God overlooked one of them. As a health accountable every minute because it's in the book what I suppose to be doing. Since I have turned and repented and asked God for forgiveness, I'm in a better way. Yeah, they can get for forgiveness. A heathen could have worshipped an idol. Then someone, he said, they've been something in me telling me all along it's not right. Whatever this is behind all of this effect, I'm going to make that my idol. He'll be in better shape in that instance. But if he dies worshiping that dead piece of wood or something, he's going to, he's without an excuse. How do you know that? Because it said so right here. Well, they're without an excuse. In verse 20. All right. For the invisible things, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world. The invisible things. Here's what that means to me. It means the power, the perfection, and the properties of God in creation. And that's what he expected those people and me to recognize. God expects me to recognize that whether I'm ever born again or not. But if I am born again, he expects me to double recognize it, beloved. That's why he said, for they are without excuse. I'll read that to you again. It's important. The day's coming. For the invisible things of him, the power. Well, what do you mean by the power? I mean that power that said, let there be light and there was light. Every heathen in this world is supposed to recognize the fact behind light is a supernatural being and I'll make him God. I'll worship him. 
whether he's born or unborn. I'm talking about the spirit. Only a spirit man born again is, is, is demanding no telling how much more of him. The power, the perfection. Why are you talking about perfection? Well, that old heathen standing in his tribe in the jungle, when he looks up there, he thinks back, he said, my forefather, and the fathers before that, and the fathers before that, all seen the same thing. The sun, the moon, the stars, nothing hadn't collided. We have light and darkness, rain. Oh, what perfection that is. And behind that, there has to be a higher being. I'm going to make him my God. And if he don't do it, God holds him accountable for not, for not only recognizing the power, but the perfection of that power. But a child of God is 40 times millions more accountable. Because Jesus Christ, he's not talking about Jesus Christ living in the souls of these people. He's showing you why all the world is guilty before God. That's what he's doing. But a little later on, he's going to tell you how God reaches down and taking up somebody out of there and put something in them besides just that first initial work that lied at every man. There's going to be something else in that. God himself is going to live in that. Paul said, I sure hope I can really send you mine where you can be on shouting ground when we get to that. After you see the sinking sand you walk upon, then you see the mighty hand of God reaching down and picking you up. And you experience it in your life. That's, that, that's why that Hebrew, that's why chapter 4 is in there. Paul, he, 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 he puts that faith chapter in there. It to show you how that this, this is going to be real and violent, how you can have assurance that God picked you up out of the same thing. But if he didn't pick you up, you still have accountable to recognize something about the eternal power and perfection of God. He held accountable if we don't do it and we're without excuse. How do you know? Because Paul says, I'm proving that all the world, not just a few, is under sin. The power, perfections, and profit, properties of God in creation since the time of the world's beginning when he said all of it. The invisible thing. And he said they are clearly seen. Invisible things are clearly seen. That is, in creation, the invisible power of God becomes visible to human intelligence in creation. Yeah, I want to read that to you again. I wish you'd listen to that real close. Every man's held accountable to God from this standpoint. Every man are clearly seen. That is, invisible things are clearly seen. Well, how? That is, in creation. There was an invisible power that said, let there be light. But when that invisible, but when that invisible power said, let that be light, visible light appeared and it appeared into intelligent beings. They're supposed to recognize the fact that a mighty authority done it and I'm to make him God in my life. It's not a case of whether you love him or not, that you recognize the power. That's what it's all about. I don't believe they love that a while there either. They couldn't know what that is. It's not, it's not that. It's not the love of God has been shed abroad in their hearts, so therefore they worship an idol. It's Paul proving that the whole world that stands guilty before God, they understand. That's the whole lesson in this chapter. If we miss it, we'll miss about half of all the rest that Romans has in store for us. All right, they're clearly seen. That's how the invisible things become clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made. Being understood by the things that are made. I believe that's saying in an intellectually way. The various works of creation. It's through the intellect. 
The love and listen. When God puts that in your, puts that spirit in there, just, 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 just a spirit, and 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 enlightens you to some degree, then He expects you to re- respond according to that degree. This is not talking about love. Not talking about being born again. Not talking about going to heaven. Not talking about going to hell. It's talking about the whole world is guilty when they didn't respond to God, the creative power, the perfecting power, the all-powerful God. They are dead. They didn't do it. And they are held accountable. And not only just by their nature they are sinners, but they have sinned openly time after time after time. But they are without excuse, Paul said. Brother, we can just grasp that. We'll be on shouting ground as we travel further through this blessed land. That's what I believe. Even his eternal power and Godhead. That means to me the divineness of God. The power that called the universe into existence. Now, you listen. You listen now. When it does not say that these people are called upon to recognize the Godhead in a spiritual way. The God of feeling, the God of mercy, the God of love that lives in you. That's not what it's saying about. But they are to recognize the Godhead of creation. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. And the earth was that without form and void. And the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Paul is argument here that God enlightens every person that comes into this world with sound mind that they're compelled to recognize the fact that light comes from somewhere. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.